Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nonprofit Show. We are thrilled that you are here with us today on what Jarrett Ransom coined Friday. And so uh, thank you so much for joining us. Today in the hot seat from Fundraising Academy at National University is our new fave, LaShonda Williams. She comes to us from the great state of Texas. Her star is shining bright on her today. The great state. And you're coming to us from Houston, right? Yes, Houston, Texas, Houston, home Texas. of the Astros. I love it. Oh my God, I'm a big baseball fan, so yeah. I, don't get me started on the Astros. Okay, we want to make sure that we thank all of our presenting sponsors who get to be part and parcel of this. We want to thank Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, your part-time controller, Be Generous, Fundraising Academy at National University, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Thought Leader, and nonprofit. You can always find us on our archives, Roku, YouTube TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Vimeo. And of course, this will also be part of our amazing podcast series as well. So um, whether you're with us live or not, you can find us anyway. Okay, LaShonda, my new best friend. You ready, sister? I am ready. Fire away. Okay. First question comes to us from Shane in Ogden, Utah. Have you ever used or heard of a vote of no confidence in a board of directors structure? I know this is used in political arenas. We are wondering if we should adopt this process so that if we are having issues with a board member, we have a path to moving them off. Dun, 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 dun. Ah, Shane. Oh, gosh. First and foremost, I'm really sad to know that you're at the point where you want to transition out. Yeah. Board members are feeling a need to have a structure, but yes, there is a way to do it. And I would not recommend vote of no confidence. Thinking about each and every nonprofit organization, step one, making sure that you have policies, procedures, as well as responsibilities and requirements for your board members. Having that infrastructure in place, it also includes terms, ethical behavioral requirements and methods to transition them out of the board for unethical behavior, as opposed to vote of no confidence. Having those measures in place kind of helps prevent anything having to go, go awry. And it also provides a foundation for expectations. First and foremost, when you're securing your board members, obviously you're going to accept those that help hold the highest ethical standards, but also reinforcing the importance of their behavior, both in the, the, the professional space in decision-making, but also their behaviors outside of the organization and the implications of their said impact. So having those rules and procedures in place and that structure in place will eliminate the need to have a vote of no confidence and it also protects your organization. Okay, wow. I love, love, love what you just said. More importantly, I love how you framed it up. Um, but I, I'm, so I'm hearing two things. Mm -hmm. One, you have to have done all this homework before you ever have a problem. Absolutely. You got to have air on the side of prevention. It's just like with prospect research. You're doing the exact same thing when you're identifying board members. You're properly vetting them on the front end because you want to ensure that you don't have those challenges once they've been officially a part named a part of the board. Right. So let me ask you this. When I read this question, 
I'm kind of thinking that Shane doesn't have any of this, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like, Shane. And so now you're going to have to start from ground zero with the board in creating those uh, procedures and having bylaws and having, you know, the roles, the responsibilities and said consequences. Mm -hmm. So how do you do this without being prejudiced about a person or a situation? How do you step back and say, this has nothing to do with the current situation that we're in. We're not writing these to get rid of Joe or Betty. We're doing this as a holistic approach because we're all human and it's human nature to be like, you know, you're right. Timing is absolutely everything. And as the year is winding down, and when I say year, the calendar year, this is a great time to start making an assessment of your organization and its effectiveness. And then this is the opportunity to also bring up in order for us to operate more effectively and more efficiently, here are some things that I suggest that we put in place as we're moving forward. And that way you ensure that you're not isolating any particular individual and it creates an opportunity for open dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like what you said. I I think you're right. It's it's that magical time that allows people to intellectually process well, we need to get ready for 2023 and exactly and- let's bring in the new year right and you know and not just talking about consequences but also thinking about ways that the board can build themselves as a team you know what are some types of things that you all would like to do to help create a culture that is conducive for us to work in a space and everyone feel free and comfortable to share their opinion without recourse and yet continue to respect one another so it's it's a win-win in that perspective Yeah, I like what you had to say. Shane, um, there is a really exciting and vibrant statewide uh, nonprofit association based in Salt Lake City. Um, And I would check them out if if your organization is not a member because they might have templates or, you know, actual documentation so that you're not having to write this yourself. Exactly. You do not have to start from zero. There are a plethora of resources out there thinking about even looking at organizations that are comparable to your existing organization that have those policies and procedures in place. And that is wise, wise, wise words, because that's right. Depending on what sector you are within the nonprofit world, they're going to be different uh, policies mm-hmm. and guidelines. And structures. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Shane, I hope that that has helped you because um, that is the first time we've ever gotten that type of a question. Yeah, that was a good one. I have confidence in you, Shane. You will be able to move forward with confidence and putting that structure in place. I love it. Well, let's go on to Cynthia, who's coming to us actually not too far from Ogden in Denver, Colorado. Could you please talk about the ethics and realities of giving fundraisers bonuses or rewards for exceeding their annual goals. We want to keep our fundraisers in the development department, and I like how they capitalized it, development department, giving them their due, happy and staying on the team. What say you, LaShonda? So this is a very tricky, but yet not so tricky question. Um, Being being a member of AFP and uh, recently receiving my CFRE certification, I understand um, wanting to share the enthusiasm with a monetary gift. However, from an ethical standpoint, to associate a dollar amount with a bonus uh, would not fall in the ethical realm. However, 
when wanting to reward employees for doing exceptional work, you can reward them throughout the year as you're creating milestones and creating celebrations and create a metrics that is celebrated across the division as opposed to monetizing it at one particular end at the end of a goal being met. Because the last thing you want is for your donors to have the perception that their funds are possibly being used for bonuses, not really uh, their intended purpose. And we want to build trust. And so with keeping the morale high, there are a variety of ways that you can do it that does not necessarily include a monetary bonus at the end of achieving a set goal. Now, there are also opportunities from an HR perspective when individuals exceed overall expectations and there may be opportunity for promotion and raise. However, to tie a bonus to um, fundraising goals would not be ethical, unfortunately. Okay, so let me get let me refine this a little bit or drill down. Are you saying that if if like let's say an organization has just a banner year and it comes cash flow is going great from a lot from a lot of different areas and a lot of different ways um that would never work for bonuses it should be transferred into something else other than i would i would not it just in the and i say that because when in doubt always do without and so in that particular instance you know because of appearances. And again, you want to foster an environment that not only um, nurtures and appreciates and welcomes exceeding expectations holistically, but you also want to ensure that donors know that their dollars are being used and decision-making is very prudent. The last thing you'd like to see happen is, you know, donors find out that you've given $10,000 bonuses because you raised X amount of dollars of a capital campaign, then their second guessing was that bonus, a part of the gift that I made to the organization. Mm -hmm. And so you really want to be very careful in how you use those funds and, and make sure that the donors are very comfortable with your organization and they're confident that their funds are being used according to how they're earmarked. Okay. And I okay. know there's operational funds, but there are other ways to reward exceeding expectations. You know, yeah. there's promotions, there are raises, um, yeah. there are merit raises that are based on overall performance, but not necessarily specifically related to a matrix. To okay, all right. Well, you kind of like killed my buzz, but I get. I'm sorry, it. I didn't want to be a buzz <laughs> killer on Friday. Not a Friday. Not a Friday. Yeah, I know, right? And we'll be talking about a little bit more about ethics next week uh, with National Academy. So it's going to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Ryan from Louisville, Kentucky writes, this is an odd question, but would it ever be a good idea to bring along a major donor to meet with a prospective donor? I have a significant donor who's such a champion of our organization, and I think they could witness why they give. I love this question. And you know what, LaShonda? No one's ever asked this. Well, Ryan, you're right on par. You know, this is um, referrals are one of the major ways to increase the number of donors within an organization. And if you have someone that is 
or has a great relationship with your prospective donor, I say bring them along because the heart of fundraising is relationships. And that individual may be able to connect with your prospective donor in a way that you may not have connected. And they could be the conduit to ensuring you're able to not only move the relationship and deepen it, but also moving it towards securing the gift, which is the ultimate goal. And that particular individual will have insight on the donor that you may not have discovered through prospect research. Mm -hmm. So always um, think about the, the scope of the relationship. And if someone else has a better relationship, it's perfectly okay to bring them along because they will only add value to the overall experience. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think that's great advice. And I love that this question was asked because maybe it's something to be um, looking for. Absolutely. You know, like, like, I mean, like you said, that referral is just magic. And it is and looking at your champions and saying, you know, who, who, who could help us with that? Who better can help us than someone who's already given yeah. And that knows others who shares the same desire to give and support. So yeah. yeah, it's perfect. I love it. Okay, this is really interesting. Um, this is a question that just came in, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you, um, and then let's see if we can tackle it because I think it's fascinating. Tola writes in, "What is a remote versus hybrid work structure? Our employees are considering considered fully remote." However, we are required to come into the office quarterly for home weeks just to be together. One designated a week, one designated week every quarter would be a home week. Very interesting. These have been widely successful. However, do we code our employees as remote in our payroll system and use home location as their work locations? This is the main crux of this question. Oh, wow. Fascinating question. You know what? Definitely. It's it's fascinating in many facets because it's it sounds like it's more of an HR question. However, um, as we're entering the new landscape of creating what our new norm looks like, Mm -hmm. uh, there are a variety of different ways as indicated by the writer to classify the positions remote versus hybrid. So my humble opinion, because it's a week involved and it's quarterly, I would go with hybrid. Um, For those that are out there, a lot of uh, recent posts for employment opportunities are posting hybrid because although you're remote, possibly 80% of the time, because of the amount of time that you'll be required to be physically present is not significant enough to call it completely remote. By calling it hybrid would definitely clearly define it so that the employees will know that the expectation is to be together at some time. Mm -hmm. However, that time to be specified based on your organization's structure and need. Mm -hmm. Um, And that way you're not misleading. um, If you're actually seeking new employees, they'll know what the expectation is. And overall, I think I would go with hybrid as opposed to remote um, just because it allows the flexibility that you'll need with having them come into work for those sporadic timeframes quarterly. You know, Tola, this is a, a question that really involves two major departments. As, as LaShonda said, it's an HR issue, but it's also an accounting payroll issue because Ooh. each state will have, if you're, if you're, if you're writing to us from the States and I don't know where you are, um, but each state has their own payroll issues as well and, and the way payrolls taxed and reported. So you exactly. need to be kind of dialed funding. Like that. I mean, Julia, you hit it because like for state institutions, for example, 
funding is based on, in some instances, how much workspace is actually used. So if you're working for a university, how much actual workspace is being occupied? How is it being occupied? And so that's a whole nother level of coding that you need to look into. So there are also some possible legal implications, as you mentioned, that they have to consider. Um, But again, I think the hybrid would definitely be the safest route. Right. And I think also, too, um, you know, we're using we're seeing more and more of uh, WHA work from anywhere, not work from home. Right. Work from anywhere. So that could mean a lot of different things. Maybe you're, you know, in a different part of the region or you're you're going another country. Yeah. Another country. Exactly. I mean, it's a big issue. And I I think, LaShonda, we're still trying to figure this out. We are. We you know not completely identified what our new norm is. But what we will say is that during this past two year period, it has allowed us to demonstrate how strong we are and how versatile we are. No matter where we are, we can still continue to be productive mm-hmm. in pursuing our various missions. Yeah, I think so. It's really an interesting um, discussion. And to your point, LaShonda, it's it's not going away like the all clear for COVID or whatever we still have labor that wants to to work in this structure and management that in many ways are saying, I'm getting more results from my teams that are working remotely. And, you know, it's so funny that you should say that because, you know, we talked about incentives and bonuses just a few moments earlier. Mm -hmm. And so an incentive or bonus for exceeding goals could be, you know, some PTO, some additional personal time off, which doesn't cost the organization any direct revenue. However, would be greatly appreciated if the Mm -hmm. office environment is traditional and you're working face to face. Mm -hmm. So there it creates a lot of flexibility and room for creativity. Again, the key is going to be identifying what and what you'd like your office structure to look like. Yeah. And getting the employees feedback is really important as well, because if you want to retain personnel, you want to make sure that they're a part of the decision making process and that their voices are heard. You know, it's so interesting. I, uh, I'm, I've been working with a, a, a nonprofit who serves in Africa and there's a nine hour time difference mm. between the, the leadership in the U.S. and the leadership in Africa. And so it is a stress on somebody. To, to make the, the meetings, right? Whether you're, you know, the one that has to get up early or the one that has to stay up late. I mean, it's a really interesting thing for those folks to watch them navigate this work from anywhere. And they're in the field. So they're doing work that um, means that they don't always have access to even electricity, right? So right. Um, it's a, it's been really interesting to watch them um, kind of, you know, navigate this, um, and they are navigating it one on technology first, because <laughs> that's like their barrier. And right. then two, they're trying to navigate what's the most comfortable for their team so that they're not burning them out. Exactly. Right. Employee morale plays a major role in retention. And yeah. so, you know, when you're able to create that synergy, where the employees and employer are working together and making decisions together, it makes it a lot easier to make necessary adjustments, you know, and with the time zone difference, you have to be highly motivated 
to uh, make those adjustments. And so having that work from anywhere, I think in itself creates um, an opportunity and a benefit that would make someone be okay with being up at 1 a.m. knowing that you can work from anywhere. Yeah, it's it's a crazy thing. And, and again, uh, a new dawn. Um, Tola writes back, thank you so much. Quite an evolving gray area working remotely. And it is. It, really it is. It's it's very gray. But you know what? Not only is it gray, I also see yellow. And yellow is a ray of sunshine because it creates an opportunity for flexibility. And then it also improves employee morale. And, you know, recent research on working remotely and hybrid opportunities have increased productivity. Yeah. So a lot of major corporations are making some transitions in work days. I saw an article recently in Forbes. They're thinking of, a lot of companies are thinking about moving to a four day work week because they're seeing the same level of productivity. Yes. yes. And, and I've been seeing that as well. Um, and, you know, you're, you've, I, I, I think you've hit on something because I can see where that could be something that we really start exploring. And, um, I've heard from organizations that have adopted that, that their staff members feel like I'm going to lose a day of productivity. So I've got to be more product. Uh, I have to have more productivity and planning in my four days. Exactly. It's very interesting. It, I'm it, glad you brought that up. In what we do. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and, you know, everyone really, you know, can really appreciate having that three day weekend. And that in itself is another form of motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, wow, you are always a rock star. Um, we've got another comment that's come in, and I'll just go ahead and read it to you. It says, LaShonda, I agree, and it's about taking major donors. Um, I've taken major donors with me to ask a prospective donor, and it's been positive. So, Absolutely. Can... You can never go wrong because they've had a wonderful experience. Now, obviously, you're going to take your stellar donors with you who have definitely had phenomenal experiences yeah. and they're going to share that love for philanthropy and the love for your organization, which is going to help you make the ask successfully. I love it. Well, speaking of donor love, man, we have like co-host expertise love with LaShonda <laughs> Williams coming to us as a trainer from Fundraising Academy based in Houston, Texas. Um, LaShonda is part of the amazing team that stretches across this country with Fundraising Academy at National University. Check out fundraising-academy.org. They have phenomenal trainings throughout the country online in person they have um, a very robust system that uh, both Jarrett Ransom and I are crushed that we did not know this early in our careers because it is such an amazing approach to fundraising it's very natural it's very achievable and um, we are just thrilled that we could get your uh, fundraising academy talents on air so LaShonda thank you so much for joining us it has been an absolute pleasure, Julia, because you too are a rock star. <laughs> well, I have my moments, but I'm telling yeah, you, yeah. I know you're all great. <laughs> well, I know where to find the talent. That's the, that you're is the battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, LaShonda Williams, um, you're going to be seeing her beautiful face from time to time. We get all different folks from uh, Fundraising Academy to come on Fridays with us. And it's really cool because we get to hear their 
um, answers and their perspectives. And um, it's been just a joy to have you on, LaShonda. So join us. Hey, and also, we want to make sure that we extend our gratitude to our amazing supporters who are with us day in and day out so we can do these interesting things like have LaShonda Williams on with us and then do a live remote like we were just chatting about. We want to thank Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, your part-time controller, Be Generous, Fundraising Academy at National University, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Thought Leader, and The Nonprofit Nerd. All of these folks join with us day in and day out, and we are marching towards our 650th episode. So oh, wow. Congrats. That's a huge milestone. It is. It is. That's why we all look so old. <laughs> no. You're looking even better and brighter. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a heavy lift every day to do a daily show, and these folks are with us. Hey, as we end this episode, we want to remind ourselves, our viewers, our listeners, stay well so you can do well. LaShonda, thank you so much. We'll see you back shortly. I'm looking forward to it, Julia, and you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Thank you.